Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary, and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Were you a household that allowed television freely or is it very regulated? I watched so much TV every free second that I could get. Uh, My mom used to joke with me saying, you watch so much TV, you should just be an actor. And I would reply, no, mom, I'm going to be a lawyer. And and so maybe she put it in my head, but I watched a lot of television. We didn't have cable growing up, so I watched bad action movie replays, um, (laughs) Animaniacs, uh, Mr. Rogers. I guess I did watch a lot of TV, especially in uh, comparison to my sisters. Josh Dela Cruz grew up in New Jersey. His mother worked at a hospital in the Bronx, while his father stayed home to take care of Josh and his sisters. On weekends, both his parents would run errands, and they would drop off all the kids at an aunt's house. And she had cable, and I can still remember the pink like shag rug in her bedroom, so we would all pile into her bedroom, and we would watch Nickelodeon. And... Saturday mornings, we would watch Blue's Clues. I would watch it with my little sister. And so a lot of the time, a lot of my favorite memories with my little sister uh, are spent on that pink rug just watching Blue's Clues. Blue's Clues premiered on Nick Jr. in 1996. At one point, nearly 14 million people watched the show every week. There were times when it outranked Barney and Sesame Street. The show was entirely animated, Except for one human, Steve. You know, I found Steve really calming and and being able to see him model asking for help and taking your time and uh, being silly. And it, it was a stark contrast to the stuff that I was watching uh, when I wasn't watching Blue's Clues, like Animaniacs and Freakazoid, which is just kind of like a kid on, on Mountain Dew. <laughs> I, you know, I used to watch Blue's Clues when I was babysitting because I think I was like a little too old. Um, but just by a few years. Uh, yeah. But I remember his pants. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. The pleat. Yes. 
Yeah, you know what's what's interesting? If you look at Seinfeld, it's that same conversation because everything is a cycle, right? And so things that are in in the 90s are back. And there's some outfits in Seinfeld that are questionable today, but then at the same time are completely applicable uh, to today. And so with Blue's Clues, Steve's pants were kind of from that era. I remember that pleats were very in at the time. And, you know, like the rugby shirt was really in. And I think that was just something that was from the era. Blue's Clues stopped airing in 2006. And then a few years ago, Nickelodeon announced they wanted to bring it back. And they were looking for a new host. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. Josh Delacruz started singing as a kid, partly because of Blue's Clues. He says he wanted to try musical theater because he and his sister liked to sing the songs from the show. Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. He says that when he was little, he thought this song was what people were talking about when they talked about opera. Josh eventually started auditioning for musicals, and later won a scholarship to a local musical theater program. He says that this was when he realized acting was what he wanted to do with his life. In college, he studied theater and then moved to New York. He auditioned for a lot of what he calls ethnically ambiguous roles, because there weren't very many roles written for Asian men on Broadway. He eventually got hired. It was the dream job. I was an uh, Aladdin understudy. I was an Iago understudy as well, and I went on a lot, and I loved it. I loved the people that I was working with. I loved the show that I was working on. It was paradise. It was the best thing ever. I worked really hard. Um, I loved it. In 2017, the actor playing Aladdin left the role. And then I took over for the role um, for three months while they searched for a new Aladdin. And in my head, I thought, oh, man, this is like my, you know, if things go well, maybe they'll just make me the new Aladdin. Um, That would be amazing. That would be the new dream job. A few months later, the show cast a new Aladdin. It wasn't Josh. And so I remember being really heartbroken about it. And... It was still my dream job. I still loved the people that I was working with. But then I thought, you know, well, if I can't do this thing that I want, it was like coming to terms with, well, what do you want to do now? Uh, Do you want to stay in this position? Which is completely fine. Um, And I think I would have been happy, uh, maybe not fulfilled. And so I started to look for other options. I remember thinking, okay, well, what else do you like to do? He considered going back to school for teaching or photojournalism. But he decided he didn't want to stop acting. At the time, he'd never thought about trying out for TV roles. He says growing up, he didn't really see any roles for him. But in 2017, he says something changed. I started seeing more Asians in film and TV, and I thought to myself, well, why don't you take a a stab at film and TV? Um... 
I wanted to do something that helped people, but I still wanted to use the gifts that I had learned along the way. And so I was still, you know, mulling that over, but also auditioning and being really excited and inspired to to do this thing that I was like, all right, we're, we're going to go for it. And then one day, his agent sent him the casting call for a new version of Blue's Clues. And I, I thought to myself, oh, the show's coming back. <laughs> and I'd never thought about being in in children's television at all. And I think my agent even asked, like, are you interested in this? It's children's TV. And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, I watched the, the show as a kid. Uh, I watched it with my little sister. And so I, I prepared for it like I did every other audition, you know, uh, to the best of my ability. And um, then I went in, did my audition, and I didn't hear back for a month. And I didn't think anything of it. You know, you audition for way more things than you, you actually book. Josh was still an understudy at Aladdin. His castmates found out he was auditioning for Blue's Clues in the middle of a show one night. So in New York, uh, at Aladdin, the entire ensemble is right below the stage in the back of the uh, backstage. And so we generally have to be quiet. Like, we can talk at this volume and it's fine because there's so much between us and the, and the stage. Uh, but then word got around that I was auditioning for Blue's Clues and then everybody just lit up. Like, oh my gosh, Blue's Clues, remember that? And then somebody started singing the mail song and then everybody was singing the mail song and we were all laughing and we actually got a, a warning from our, the stage manager saying, quiet in the bunker, please, quiet in the bunker. Um, and I thought like, oh man, yeah, this... I had no idea that the show had touched so many people at, in so many different generations. Uh, and then a month later, my agent gives me a call and he says, um, I guess this is still happening. You have a call back. Were you nervous? I mean, did you have any idea of how many others had gotten call back? No, absolutely not. I, so, I, you know, I thought like, oh, you know, they were taking their time. <laughs> I just thought I was out for the count. Um, and then I got another call back. And then they said, here's some notes. They loved it. And they sent me a video that they had just released of the search for the next host of Blue's Clues. And there were over 3,000 people that auditioned. And that was the first time that I said, oh. (laughs) I was like, oh, we're working on a really big show. For the next round of auditions, Josh had to do a screen test. And so I was like, oh, wow, they do my makeup. Uh, I'm in like a pseudo costume. I was in blue. I showed up in blue and then they put me in blue. I was like, oh, that's that's convenient. Uh, they, they mic'd me up and then um, they put me on camera. There were lights. Uh, there was a camera operator. I was like, wow, this is really cool. The director was just off screen. And then there were uh, curtains that were up for sound and for light. And I kind of assumed that there were people behind there, uh, but I just didn't think anything of it. And then the director was like, uh, gave me some notes, and then he started to walk away. And he's like, oh, Steve, do you have anything for Josh? Steve emerged from the curtain, and I remember thinking, oh, Steve. Oh, Steve. (laughs) We'll be right back. Embracing nature is more than just going for a walk now and then. It's reconnecting with the elements. It's harnessing the power of natural ingredients. It's putting the earth first. For over 50 years, Nature's Sunshine has been sharing the healing power of nature as they work towards a healthier planet. 
Their manufacturing facility is 100% powered by sunlight, and they divert 95% of waste away from landfills. If you're looking for a sustainably made herbal supplement, you might want to check out Nature Sunshine and their new power line. Power Beats are a superfood performance booster that can help enhance both performance and blood flow. And Power Meal is a satisfying protein-packed superfood shake that comes in sustainable packaging made with nearly 40% post-consumer recycled plastics. Now that's something you can feel good about. This Earth Month, you can enjoy 25% off your first order with code NSP. Just go to naturesunshine.com. That's naturesunshine.com and use code NSP for 25% off your first order. Fox Creative. This is advertiser content from 26.2 Team Milk and their new docu-series, Running Sucks. Is running the worst? Yeah. Do you love it? Do you hate it? I hate it so much. I hate it so freaking much. That you're a real runner now! I hate it. I'm Abby Ayers, a 37-year-old mom from Utah who found herself running across the Manhattan Bridge in my first race ever. Running Sucks celebrates women who run and the running communities that carry them across the finish line. Running helped me in so many ways postpartum. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. For every person like you, I'm telling you you belong, and I'm telling you you can do it. I never thought the words would leave my mouth, but yes, I'm planning on running a marathon. (laughs) I can't even say it without laughing, because, like, who would have thought? Watch Running Sucks at runningsuckstheseries.com and learn more about how Team Milk is helping women runners across the country conquer their next course. very intimidating to try to do this auditioning knowing that Steve was there. Yeah, it, it it was it was intimidating and then all at the same time not because when he opened his mouth he was like you're doing great. Love everything that you're doing and then gave me some notes. But he did it in such a way that I felt I didn't feel like I didn't belong there. I felt like I belonged there. I felt that, you know, I was doing everything right. And so it didn't, it wasn't intimidating anymore. Um, You know, he was the perfect person to come out because everybody was new. The producers were new to me at the time. The director was new to me at the time. Um, But Steve, I knew. In every episode of Blue's Clues, the camera zooms in on a large yellow book. The cover flips open, and there's Steve. He waves from inside his house, inside the book, and invites you inside. Hi out there! It's me, Steve! He asks for your help to find his dog, Blue. The dog is never far away. And then, Steve asks you for your help to solve a puzzle. In the very first episode of the show, you help Steve figure out what Blue wants with her snack. What else do you want with your snack, Blue? Okay, we'll play Blue's Clues. That's a great idea. I love Blue's Clues. We are going to play Blue's Clues because that's a really great game. Hi there. My name is um, Steve, Stephen Burns. But if you know me at all, you just know me as Steve with one name, like Beyonce. 
<laughs> like a four-year-old doesn't care about your last name. Sure. And a four-year-old is, there's limited bandwidth, you know, and um, the attention you can get is the best possible attention. So you want to make the most of it. So you want a simple, a simple handle. Steve Burns auditioned for Blue's Clues in 1995. He says he moved to New York with the intention of becoming a serious actor. You know, short, dangerous, broody, highly pretentious actor man. (laughs) It's so funny to say that now. But, you know, when you're 20 years old, you know, you take that very seriously. Blue's Clues was really, like, you know, the first of a handful of auditions I got. But I was very, very close to a series regular role on Homicide, for example. So I was, you know... I mean, they're, they're, in my head, there can't really be two shows that are any further apart than Homicide <laughs> and Blue's Clues. As I recall, um, I was up for both of those roles at the same time. And it was, you know, which one's going to land? And it was Blue's Clues. When Steve auditioned for Blue's Clues, he assumed he was going to be voicing a cartoon character. But when he arrived, he saw a camera. I thought, oh boy, I better do something. (laughs) And so I was like, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna Al Pacino the hell out of this, you know? (laughs) So it was written much more, um, much more like a traditional game show, I would say, you know, wherein the host is kind of testing the home viewer. Which one of these things is a, is a square? Do you know? You guessed it. Great job. It kind of had that vibe to it, um, but I made it, in the audition, I made it this this highly personal, almost conspiratorial tone, where I was like, so which one is the triangle? Do you know? Where it was just like, I'm really just kind of at just me and you. Would you mind helping me with this thing? I made it this, I got way too close to the camera and made it kind of a much more, as I say, conspiratorial tone. Uh, with a certain little hint of vulnerability or whatever. Like, I was kind of embarrassed. Like, I didn't know. <laughs> and I remember when I did it, I thought, that felt really weird. <laughs> and I looked at um, the creator of the show, Angela Santamero, and she was looking at me like, that was really weird. Um, but I guess she saw something and she thought it worked. And um, they called me back for it. Unlike other kids' television shows, the same episode of Blue's Clues would be repeated for five days straight. The idea was that the repetition would help kids learn from day to day. Blue would leave three clues for Steve to find, but Steve could never find them on his own. He always turned directly to the camera for help. I was tasked with cultivating that relationship with the camera. Um which I saw as a a one-on-one conversation with one person at a time. And there are lots and lots and lots of children's television that, that speaks to the camera. Most of it does, right? But what we did, which I think was pretty radical, is we listened to the camera. And in that silence, if, if it was convincing enough, that's a very respectful thing to do you know that is the opposite of 
condescending to an audience, you know, to really get their take on things. And uh, I, I didn't know that it would work. I know I was working pretty hard to to make it as believable as possible, but I didn't know that it would work. Um, but it did work, and it still works, <laughs> which is the coolest thing in the universe. Describe Steve the character. Affable, excitable. I always say that uh, my favorite thing about playing Steve was he spent every moment in wonder, you know? And uh, I loved that aspect of him. He was full of wonder about graham crackers and shapes and colors. And uh, I loved that part of him. But, you know, there was also, at the at the heart of Steve was this relationship with the home viewer where they were much, much, much cooler than he was. And he was trying to impress them. He wanted to be their friend. He wanted them to think he was awesome, you know? And so when he asked for help, there was always this little color of, what if they say no? <laughs> you know, there was always these, these sort of gentle stakes there. So he was a little vulnerable and, uh, a little self-aware that he could, you know, get out over his skis with the excitement level when the mail arrived and stuff. So, um, yeah, I like that guy. Like Sesame Street, Blue's Clues used educational research to design the show. Developmental psychologist Daniel R. Anderson advised the show's producers. He said that the show's slow pace and directions from Steve gave children the opportunity to have a voice. Steve looked the same week to week. He always wore the same khakis and green-striped shirt. We had a small wardrobe full of them. They were the least comfortable thing you could possibly imagine. They looked kind of hot, like they didn't Oh, breathe. yeah. They are made out of this wool because it was all on a blue screen and we had so many lights that we needed special fabric. I had to be out there, like, itchy and sweaty. Steve always sang the same songs in every episode. There's a song to explain the rules of the game. One for when the mail came, and one for when the show was over. Now it's time for so long. But we'll sing just one more song. Thanks for doing your part. You sure are smart. You know with me and you and my dog Blue, we can do anything that we want Bye-bye. See you later. During the show's development, the producer sent tapes out to families to see what kids thought. Co-creator Angela Santamaro remembers that parents didn't want to return their tapes. She says kids were screaming at the TV. They were watching the episode 15 times, 20 times in two days. Were you surprised how popular... Blue's Clues became? Of course. You know, it, it felt so small to me. It still does. You know, it. I was on a blue screen um, in a giant room without corners in it. It looked like I was in the bottom of a swimming pool or something, right? And then in front of me was just a bunch of lights and one point of focus, which was a camera lens. I could barely even see the director most times. And so it always felt like this really personal 
experience to me. It felt very small and very intimate, you know, just this little thing that we made in a small studio in Manhattan. And uh, I was so surprised that kids interacted with it in the way that they did. I was very proud to be a part of that. How long did you do it before you, you realized that it was time to go? About 400 years, I think. <laughs> Something like that. It's so hard to say, you know, because I think it, I think it was like six years, but I don't know how, exactly how many seasons you'd count that in because of the way they, the way they aired the episodes. But it felt like a really long time, you know. You got to imagine. I mean, I was in every take of every shot every day forever, you know. And if, if anything, I think it may have stuck around a season too long. In 2002, an episode aired called Steve Goes to College. It's the bus. The bus is here. Goodbye, Steve. We'll miss you. Bye-bye. Yeah, I'll, I'll miss you too. Bye, Steve. Bye. Joe, remember, Blue's paw prints will be on the clues. Blue's Clues? Exactly. Joe is Steve's younger brother. He'd already been introduced to the audience a few episodes earlier. He was played by an actor named Donovan Patton. The producers named him Joe because they thought Donovan was too hard for kids to say. Joe is there to step in as the new host. Do do you remember when when Steve left the show? I do. And I remember... Seeing Joe for the first time, being like, "Oh, who's this?" Like, I can't. I came in late to the episode, and then at the end, they were saying goodbye, Steve. And I remember thinking, like, "Oh, wow, that you know, they're they're moving on." Josh Dela Cruz, and that being a, a a big deal, even to me, you know, I f- remember feeling oddly vulnerable, <laughs> and um, because TV was something that was constant, you know. And talking to people that were my cousin's age as adults and talking to them about how they felt about that. And it was huge. It was huge. Um, You know, they were just heartbroken about it, Um, which kind of speaks to everything that Steve had laid down before us, you know, creating that relationship uh, with us on the other side of the camera. Before he heads out the door... Steve turns to the camera and says to the audience, Thanks again for all your help. At the time, Steve was almost 30. He jokes that he was starting to lose his hair. In more recent years, he's been open about his depression. He said, It was my job to be completely full of joy and wonder at all times. And that became impossible. What was your life like after the show? Um, there was so much energy put into making that show that by the time I left, I wasn't super interested in acting at all. <laughs> you know, I, I just kind of wanted quiet. We'll be right back. Eurovision is here. This year's contest gets underway this week in Malmö, Sweden, but this year's contest comes with a dose of controversy. I'll give you one guess 
as to what people are mad about. Yes, correct. It's that. Organizers of the Eurovision Song Contest say they are assessing whether Israel's entry breaks the rules on political neutrality. I think it's a shame. I think there is no way that that Israel should be able to participate in Europe. Pro-Palestinian protesters are taking to the Swedish streets. More than a thousand Swedish artists, including Robin, have called for an Israel ban. Some European politicians are joining them. Charlie Harding from Switched On Pop joins us this week on Today Explained to help us figure out if Europe can sing its way out of this situation. Seventeen years after he'd left the show, Steve heard from the show's producers that they were making a new version of Blue's Clues. They asked Steve to help them make it. They kind of said, you know, we could use your inside finding a new host. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I could do that for you. Steve remembers watching Josh Delacruz do a screen test. They asked me what I thought, and I said, he can start tomorrow. He's all heart. And he's pouring his heart into this. And he, he's ready to go. Like, he already gets it. Like, he already knows how to do all this stuff. After that first test, they asked the actors to come back for another round. They asked Josh if he could play guitar for it. They wanted him to sing one of the songs from the show, the So Long song. And, like, I play guitar well enough to play for my wife and my dog. Like, it's not something that I would do publicly. But they're like, yeah, we'd love for you to play the uh, So Long song. And I remember thinking, okay, I can, you know, I I think I can figure that out. And then uh, it was the week before my audition, and I went and I saw uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor, the Mr. Rogers documentary. And so I saw the 10 a.m. showing, there were maybe like 10 people in the entire theater. The credits finished, no one moves, and then there's just a collective sniffle from everybody in the audience. And I remember th- knowing in that moment, I really want this job. The day of the audition, the producers ended up not asking him to play his guitar after all. But he'd been practicing a lot. So I told my agents, and they're like, well, why don't you record it? And then we'll send it to them. And then said, all right, I'll do that. And so I recorded it on my phone as if I were talking to somebody uh, at home. And I remember thinking, well, how should I do this? You know, because like they're not giving me any direction. So what's like, how should I approach this? And I thought, well, I'm really nervous um, and I've been practicing. So why don't I just, you know, do this as as if I were asking somebody at home, the kid at home, to help me practice and help me listen, uh, listen to me practice and tell me if I did okay. And so that's what I did. And it was a very vulnerable and it was a very honest moment talking to uh, the person at home. Um, And I sent it to them. One week later, Josh was on a cruise ship in the Pacific Ocean, His wife was performing on board in the musical Jersey Boys, and Josh was along for two weeks to spend time with her before he went back to work as an understudy for Aladdin. I remember it was a Thursday, and there was no service because we were at sea. And so I brought my phone up out of habit. I brought my my book with me to get coffee and to read on 
on the deck. And I sit down to have my coffee, and I open the book, and then all of a sudden, my phone rings, and I'm like, oh, I have service. Oh, it's a New York number. Oh, this might be them. And I was in shock. I realize now that I was in shock because I, I, I don't know who I was speaking to. I don't know what they said other than, you know, the gist is that I got the job and uh, amazing. And then I <laughs> and then I just frantically called my, my parents um, saying that I'm on, you know, I got the job. I'm, I, I'm, call, I'm trying to make phone calls. I call my agents. Um, and uh, it was it was surreal. What was your first day on the job like? I remember feeling like I was white knuckling. In retrospect, I feel like I was white knuckling um, the entire day, uh, really trying to drive the performance. And um, I remember feeling unsure, stressed, and that I had to do something. <laughs> Josh has been hosting the show since 2019. Oh, hi, come on in. We are so glad you're here. Uh, right Everything on. looks the same as when Steve hosted. And Josh sings all the same songs as the old show. When you use your mind, take a step at a time. You can do anything that you want to do. <laughs> in the first episode, both Steve and Donovan also known as Joe, show up to help Josh learn the rules of Blue's Clues. Steve has become a detective. Joe runs the present store. Josh says in real life, the three of them now have a very active group text. Did they have any advice for you when you first started? It was after that first day, and it was, it was what gave me permission to do what I'm doing today, was that they pulled me aside, because we were all together, and they said, I don't know if anybody has told you this, but we wanted to make sure that you knew it, that you were cast because we love you and everything that you're doing is so unique and we want you to keep exploring that and celebrating that and don't ever feel like there's any pressure to replicate anything that we did when we were on the show. And I thought, oh, wow, thank you for, you know, I didn't need their permission, but... A part of me actually did need their permission, you know, the, the self-conscious part of the, that imposter syndrome needed to hear that. And then the next day, I had the benefit of getting to watch them work. And they were so silly and were so great. Uh, and were just, it was like watching people play catch. They were just throwing the ball uh throwing the dialogue around, receiving it, throwing it back. And that's when I realized, oh, they're playing. You know, especially after that first day. I felt like I, I was white-knuckling and I was forcing everything. Um, but after that day, I realized, you know how to play, so just play. And uh, after that, everything changed. It got, everything got better uh, for me on set. Steve Burns now directs and writes some of the new episodes of the show. And occasionally, he makes cameos. Is it fun to play Steve again? I've never had more fun playing Steve than I do right now. I love it. The concept that Steve is in the universe still trying to solve mysteries and still failing at it is uh, endlessly delightful. 
And the character is so much more of a clown now. I got this trench coat and the hat and the tie. It really feels Marx Brothers to me now. I adore it. I love playing Steve now. It's a joy. For the show's 25th anniversary, Nickelodeon posted a video on Twitter that Steve recorded for the kids, now adults, who used to watch him. He says he wanted to talk about why he left the show so abruptly in 2002. And I wanted to talk about, um, you know, we're still friends and that still counts for something and that's still meaningful. And we still have that. And I never forgot you and you know, your presence in my life is real, even though this was a parasocial relationship from 20 years ago um, across a cable channel. That is a relationship that has been meaningful to me. And this is special and cool that we're still talking 25 years later. Um, but I don't think anyone could have predicted the degree to which people would connect to that message. The video has been viewed over 40 million times. People wrote replies like, this made me cry like a baby, and I finally got the closure I needed. One person wrote, okay, Steve, I forgive you, but you broke my heart. Another said, can Steve come back and tell me how to get a clue as an adult? I guess I just wanted to say that after all these years, I never forgot you, ever. And I'm super glad we're still friends. Thanks for listening. You look great, by the way. Whatever it is you're doing, it's working. Why do you think Blue's Clues still works today? I think the concept is sound. You know, it feels to the home viewer like they are helping this dude figure out these games. And now I feel smart. And now I feel capable. And now I feel thanked and listened to. And it's a magic trick. Do you still get recognized? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times they stop me and say, hey, you know, my kid watches your reruns. And my heart is full of joy and also the fear of death. <laughs> but at the exact same time. Yes. <laughs> Um, my favorite interaction with kids is when their parents tell them who I am, they recognize who I am, and then they instantly give me side-eye of, like, just instant suspicion. Like, what are you doing out here? <laughs> you're real? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, you're real, and also, where's, where's the dog? <laughs> so that's my favorite. This is Love is created by Lauren Spohr and me. Nadia Wilson is our senior producer. Katie Bishop is our supervising producer. Our producers are Susanna Robertson, Jackie Sajiko, Libby Foster, Lily Clark, Lena Sillison, and Megan Kinane. Our technical director is Rob Byers. Engineering by Russ Henry. Learn more about the show on our website, thisislovepodcast.com. If you like the show, tell a friend or leave us a review. It means a lot. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at This Is Love Show. This Is Love is recorded in the studios of North Carolina Public Radio, WUNC. We're part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. 
Discover more great shows at podcast.voxmedia.com. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Love. Celebrate Earth Month this April by harnessing the power of Mother Nature with Nature's Sunshine's new power line. From power greens with over 200 plant-based nutrients to support gut health and foundational nutrition to power beets that can improve performance and blood flow. Not to mention Power Meal, which delivers plant-based calories from Whole Foods to help keep you both energized and feeling satisfied throughout the day. This Earth Month, you can enjoy 25% off your first order with code NSP. Just go to naturesunshine.com. That's naturesunshine.com and use code NSP for 25% off your first order. Why do you run? Why does anyone? I always thought that runners loved running. And that's not the case. Most runners hate running, (laughs) but they choose to do it. In the new docuseries, Running Sucks, brought to you by Team Milk, Abby Ayers learns why women runners everywhere are driven to go the distance. It really is about taking my power back and proving myself wrong. Team Milk is about fueling women's performance and helping them along their marathon journeys. You can sign up now for the inaugural Every Woman's Marathon, taking place in Savannah, Georgia, on November 16th, 2024. Learn more and register at everywomansmarathon.com.